Good afternoon, everybody. It's kind of weird. What did you do with your day? It was a weird day, man. I almost just come up this morning just to sit in a chair, just to feel normal. It was weird. Good to be together this afternoon. I'm glad you could be here with us. Uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. And uh, oh, it's just uh, nice to have our ladies back from the ladies' retreat. Okay, we're in a series of lessons, and uh, this particular series. Uh, it's called It's For You. You ever get a phone call and someone says, Hey, it's for you. And you don't, uh, we always, what do we say? Who is it? <laughs> right? Uh, now we have the advantage of the iPhone. All you got to do is look at it. You already know who it is. And then there's that troubling decision you have to make. Do I answer? Or do I let it go to voicemail? Or hope they just go away? I don't know if you get a lot of uh, unsolicited phone calls. I get them all the time. Uh, and, and, and I'll have my AirBud or AirPod or whatever it is. I have that thing sticking in my ear. And it says to me, uh, you know, the unidentified caller calling. And I'm like, well, who could it be? I'm away from my phone. So I let it go to voicemail. And most of the time, it's that Collinsville number of some telemarketer just hounding me about either a, you just want a vacation or you just got this. And I'm tired of hearing that. So I just let it go to voicemail. And most of the time they don't. But every once in a while I get a relative that I don't have on my uh, contact list and there will be and I'll let it go to voicemail and it's somebody I was expecting a call from and I feel so embarrassed. Oh, I saw where you called me. Thank you for leaving a message and I get right back. There's some calls you just don't want to miss. Am I right? There's some calls you just you can't miss. You, uh, They're so important that you want to make sure as soon as the phone rings, sometimes you answer it and the person will even say, I didn't even hear it ring. You know, that's how excited you are when you answer the phone. Oh, one of these phone calls that we get occasionally is from the Lord. That's why the I've got the graphic the way it is. But sometimes God calls on us and you don't want to hang up. You don't want to miss that call. You don't want to let that go to voicemail. It's when God calls you, it's to something exciting and worth answering. And that's what we've been looking at. Last week we talked about what is the, what about God's call? And the week before that, Mike Danius talked about how we can hear when God calls, how important it is to answer. And today I want to talk about this idea of a call to belong, that God calls you and I to belong. Um, you know, you, you, listen folks, you are called to belong and not just believe. Think that's true? Think about it. We're called to belong, not just believe. A lot of Christians are what I call independent contractors. They kind of just do their own thing. They hop around. They're not really connected to their church. They come, they attend, and they maybe even consider themselves to be a member that is on the list with some perks, but um, but not really belonging. Um, and they can do that for years. Look at the Bible says here in Romans 12, verse 5. Here in your notes or up on the screen, it says, In the same way, we are many people, but in Christ we are all one body. We are the parts of that body, and each part, catch it, belongs to all the others. We're called to belong to one another. We're called to belong to God. You see, my relationship with God, as personal as it is, it was never meant to be private, folks. You hear me? As personal as you consider your relationship with God, He didn't want you to be private and on your own. He wanted you to be, wanted you to be connected. Remember the Garden of Eden? Very first man. We say it in every wedding. And God was not pleased to see man alone. In fact, He says it's not good for man to be alone. And, and what's He do? 
He gives, does he give Adam more possessions, more pleasure, more prestige? No, he gives him a person. He needs a person. God's solution to loneliness is a person. God's solution to being isolated is he wants us to be connected. He's made us and formed us for relationships. You know, and he created us for community. Look at it says in Romans 14. We saw this last week. I want to bring it up again. Look what Paul says to the church in Rome. None of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. What's he saying? He's saying our lives, your life, my life is meant to be shared with people. And, and that's why God made his family. Now, I want to give you a couple of thoughts before we get into the body of this lesson today about why I should belong to God's family. Let me give you three real quick thoughts here about God's family. First, God started his family for you. He started a family for you. I think I remember Denise and I talking when we first got married. You know, when are we going to start a family? Well, who are we starting for? I, mean, I, I got to admit, everybody and their mother and, and our mothers were talking to us about this. When are we going to hear the little pitter-patter of feet, you know? And, and our friends would say, hey, when are you guys going to start having kids? We've only been married a couple of weeks. Could we kind of get used to each other? You know, I, I listened to somebody uh, the other day saying, man, you know, uh, my, my, my kids, uh, there's a, another business owner in town, and I was telling him I got five grandkids, which is noisy. I'm fine with that noise level. Okay, lots of you know, I, I love my grandkids, and he says, "Well, you know, I'm trying to get one married so we can get some grandkids." And he's just stubborn, you know. And and you know, the, what is it about? And it's a dad talking. I want to see children. Your heavenly Father wants children in His family. Look what it says: God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. God wanted a family. He wanted to have a family. And best of all, he wants you in that family. He wants you as a part of his family. He wants it so bad. Listen, he wants it so bad that Jesus would die to make that happen. That's how important God's family is. That it was bought. It was cleansed. Where did Paul say that in Ephesians? And, and he Christ died for the church and gave himself up for her. Who's her? His church. Who's the church? Us. He gave himself up for us. He wanted family. Another thing is God's family is called the church. Just to clarify and make sure we know that. When I say God's family and we're talking about God's family, we're talking about the church. A lot of people, they talk about church, they're talking about the building. I'm going to church. Where do you go to church? Down there. But see, the church is not a building. It's not a place. It's people. It's people. Look what it says here. I am writing these things to you now. Then if I'm delayed, you'll know how to live in the family of God. And he says, that family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. Now, the Greek word behind church is ekklesia. And what does it mean? Well, it's a fancy word. It just means a group of people have been called. So when God's his family has been called, yes, to a mission, yes, to a purpose, but they've been called to be together. Just like a mom that's saying, time for supper, calling the family together. God calls his family together. He wants us to be connected. Another thing is I notice is that God wants me to belong to his family. 
He started his family, and he calls his family his church, but he wants me to belong to his family. I love this passage in Ephesians 2. Now, what a way to start a verse. Now, what's happening now? Well, you're no longer strangers to God or foreigners to heaven. Amen. But you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You know, this idea of, are you a member? You know, I just found out a little over a week ago, I'm an Amazon Prime member. I didn't know I could watch movies on my phone. I've had it for over a year. Didn't even know this. It's tragic. Yes, aw. I'm laying there in bed and, and I, Denise, I can watch a movie here in bed. She goes, wonderful. <laughs> but you know, we talk about being a member of something. I'm a member of this. I'm a member of that. And what does that mean? Well, I'm on a list. And I get, I get all the perks or whatever the deals are and all that stuff. And a lot of people, when they think about a member, being a member, they may just think, well, I'm on a list or I get all these perks. But, but when you talk about being a member in the Bible, he's talking about like a body part being a member of your body. It isn't just sucking the life out of you, and, you know what I'm saying, and taking everything. It contributes. It's involved. It's attached. It's why I'm alive. If without its job, I'm in trouble. So it's connected and it belongs. It belongs to my body. And the same is true with a family. You know, I, uh, you've got a family. You don't have a list of people. Is that how you see them? Well, I'm a member of the family. I, I don't know. I've been around weddings. Do I have to say any more? You go to, you go to a wedding or you're planning a wedding and, and they, did you invite everybody to the wedding? And the answer is always, there's a little hesitation. No, why not? Well, there's always that cousin or that uncle or that aunt or that sister we didn't get. They're, yeah, they're on the list so far as members of our family, but they're not really, they don't really belong. We don't belong. Well, we say they're our second cousin twice removed. We'll say it that way, you know, and, and yet in the Bible, it's, it's about belonging. It's about being connected. And the thing is, see, what a privilege. Church, think about this. What a privilege and honor to be included in God's family. Have you thought about that? What a wonderful thing to be a part of. I know there's some families that go, you know, I'm not really proud of my family right now. You know, or, or you go to, you're a part of that family. I, I get that, you know. But man, to, to be a part of God's family, it is such a privilege and such an honor that God would want someone like me, someone like you, in His family. You see, that brings up this idea of how important is God's family to me? You know, how much do I cherish God's family? Our small group got together last weekend, and we're going through Purpose Driven Life. And I know some of you are starting to go through that, and you're going to hear some stuff from that book even today. And one of the questions I just simply asked our group was, do you find it more difficult to be close to your spiritual family than you do your DNA family. And everybody's saying, going like this, except one person's going. I go, oh, wait a second. And I asked this, this uh, woman in our small group, so why are you shaking your head? He goes, Tim, my DNA family lived three hours away. All my life, when I was a kid, my church family was my family. So I have no trouble understanding that I should be close to my church family. I have no trouble with the challenge 
of being closer to my church family than my DNA family. Are you kidding me, Tim? Folks, I tell you what, the family of God is more important than your DNA family. Jesus said these words. Take it up with Him when you get to heaven. When they, they said, your family's here, your mother and brothers are here. And what did He say? These are my mother and brothers. For whoever believes is my mother and brothers. Jesus put a high priority on His church family. He takes seriously that He's your brother. He takes seriously that, that you're a part of His family. You know that, right? He died to do that. It's been sealed with blood. The Bible calls the church God's family, not only God's family, but the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. It uses these parallels. And the wife of Christ, if you look at Ephesians, you get that impression, you know, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. So there's the parallel. How important is the word is, 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 is the word when it describes God's family to me? And how, how, how do I see my church? And how, how connected and how much do I want to belong to my church family? It's very important to think about that. I mean, this family is God's bride. Well, I, I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to... Uh, It'd be like me getting married or, or, or uh, getting married to Denise, but never speaking to her heart or seeing her just once a week. How's that? <laughs> that ain't going to work, is it? And if my body parts only showed up once a week for an hour and a half and, and you know, worked, I don't know if I'd do well. That's how important it is. That's how much it matters to God. And he describes it in these kind of terms. To get our attention. I heard somebody say it this way. The family of God should be so important. More important than anything else. It's such a marvelous thing. Such a privilege to be a part of it. That a thousand years from now, my DNA family could be gone. But God's church will always be. That family is that important. That He says it will be eternal. And He wants... Wants you, wants me to be a part of it? Are you sure, Lord? Oh yeah, I've always wanted that. I've always wanted a big family. And I want you there. Listen, church, somebody needs to hear this. God wants you. He wants you. Oh, I'm not very wantable. I'm wanted, all right, by the law. No, no, no. God wants you. He wants to love you and He wants you to belong in His family. He is not embarrassed by you. So why do I need to belong to God's family? I kind of already talked a little bit about that, haven't I? And it's in the afternoon and Nicole's getting sleepy. i got to move on. So why do I need to belong? She's you're picking on me. You're picking on me. Why, why do I need to belong to God's family? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to make sure I belong? Number one, belonging to God's family identifies who I am. I remember one time I went to go buy a car. They said... Uh, What's your name? My name's Tim Gill. Yeah, who's your mom and dad? I said, well, my, my dad is Jim Gill. Oh. 
My mom's Rudell Gill. Oh, what's that mean? You know, we get our identity from our relationships. Would you agree with that? You think about it. You're running with the wrong crowd. Is it guilt by association? Sometimes it is, isn't it? We, our relationships have a lot to do with defining who we are. Jesus touches on this in John 13. Look what He says. Your love for one another. He tells His disciples. He's telling these guys that are in God's family. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're My disciples. I want you to notice, and I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but meeting together one day a week for an hour and a half is not proof that you're part of a family. It doesn't prove that you belong to a family. Jesus says it's when you love one another, when you share your life with other people, when you live and love each other and you're sharing life together, that is the proof that you're really following me. In Romans 12, look how Paul says it this way. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part, listen to this, each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. Not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of His body. I can't say it enough. The church has helped me. God's family has helped me understand who I am and what I'm to do. That's one of the reasons you ought to belong to God's family. You find your role. You find your function. You find your niche. You find out who you are, how loved you are. You, yes, you find out your flaws and everything. It, it helps you find out and identify who you really are. Number two, belonging to God's family will give you support. Belonging to God's family gives you support. Another One of the other ways that the Bible describes God's people and God's family is comparing it to a building. Look at this passage here in Ephesians 2. In Him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. What I notice, you know, I've been a part of building projects. This one was part of, but I've also been uh, remodeled my home. I've done all kinds of uh, help with people, building a house, remodeling. And um, one of the things I notice is, is that without connection, a building cannot be stable. It cannot be safe. It cannot be strong. But when you bring all those parts together, it forms something beautiful and something strong. I remember walking, this back in 1999, I was rebuilding my house and building a new shop at the same time. I know it was stupid. So I'm walking, one contractor's doing one project, another contractor's doing another project, two different contractors, two, two different styles, but I noticed something about both projects. When I'd walk through, I noticed a lot of wood laying around, piles of it, piles of boards, you know, scrap pieces. And what, one, when I was walking on my house, the contractor said, I'd like you to come in every evening and clean up after us. I go, what? I want you to clean... So I clean, he was in the Navy, he was an officer in the Navy, he's bossing me around. I'm the customer! I'm cleaning up after these guys. But I noticed something about those boards. They could be in a pile, but they're, they really aren't very useful until they're connected. Until they connect with one another. Kind of like this over here. 
this is um, in my uh, son's bedroom. This, Nathan put this one together. I remember the day he got it. It's Legos. You know, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's Legos. Um, it was hard to get it here without it fall, pieces falling apart. I had to really be careful. It's heavy. And I remember when he, when he opened up his present and, he, and, he, and it's all these bags of Legos. Just bags and bags and bags of Legos. And, and what do we know about Legos? Everything is awesome. Now, what's that? It hurts to step on them. Yeah. You can make a lot of stuff with Legos. But I, what I noticed about the Lego is they're made to connect to each other. They're made to connect. They're not made to stay in the bag. You see, you can take a bunch of Lego parts and put them in the same bag. Unless they're connected, they're just a pile of parts. That's why I know being in the church building doesn't necessarily make me a Christian. I heard an old preacher named G.P. Holt from Indianapolis said, he said, just because a polecat's in the hen house, don't make it a chicken. By the way, that's a skunk, you know. So think about that. I mean, just because I'm in the same room doesn't mean I belong or I'm in. It's not until I connect that something rises from that. I remember him putting that together down here, and slowly it was becoming something, something pretty, something awesome, something, an icon for the world. And isn't that what the church is? It's to rise up. All the parts, as they connect together, rise up and become this Reminder to the world that there's hope. Reminder to the world that God cares about them. That He wants them to belong. Yes, the one putting the parts together has a lot to do with how it's designed. But the parts matter. You matter. Every one of you matter. But if you're not connected to everybody else, or you're not connecting, or you're not trying to help others get connected, we're just a bag of parts. And we're just going through the motions every week. I don't want to be a bag of parts. I want to rise up and become this temple that God's talking about. Well, how does that happen? It comes when they're all connected. And what happens when it, when it comes together? Strength and support are evident. Look at the Bible says here in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one, for if one of them falls, the other can help him up. But it's hard for one who falls when there's no one to lift him up. Why? He's disconnected. I watch people, I watch some of you here, and I watch some of you that aren't here, if you're going to listen on the net. You come every once in a while. You show up every once in a while. Or you show up three weeks and then you're gone two weeks. And three weeks and you're gone two weeks. And I'm going, and, and, and I wonder why you're not doing so well. You wonder why you're not doing so well. Because one of the first signs of spiritual decline is when we start disconnecting. Disconnecting. And it just makes, it just, it, you know, I, uh, when I was bringing this here, this part come off. It still looks nice. doesn't look that noticeable, right? I'll tell you who notices it. The part that's not there. 
And it, it doesn't take very much longer. If another part goes, another part goes, that all of a sudden the church loses its beauty and loses its capacity and loses its strength. And church, all I know is this, is that the Bible says here that when I connect with another person, there's going to be times when I'm going to go through some tough times when my world's going to fall apart. Your world's going to get shook up and a part may fall off in your life. And thank God you're connected to somebody because that's going to get you through it. Look what it says in Galatians 6.2 here. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think about support beams and how they support and they bear the load. I remember one time... I walked through my house. I was with my sons, and we're in one part of the house, and I go, you see that board there? Yeah, Mike Kiffmeyer put that board there. How did he do that, Dad? Because he works in our company, and it, and he, he, he because of him, we got that board there. See that board over there? What? And I name another. That's Tom Tarantino's board. He Look at that, how they connect right there. Now, how are we going to have a... Well, Dad, we wouldn't have a roof if it weren't for those guys. That's right. We wouldn't have a roof over our heads and how they work together, and how they build a home for someone. All these boards that are connected, they build a family. I want you to think about, you say you're not important, you don't think you're, you think you're a piece of scrap on the floor. You're useless if you're not connected. That's all. God wants you connected. And you need to be connected to somebody, because there's going to be a time you're going to get shook up. I think of some times when I, my life has been shook to the, to the core, and if it weren't for some people that just showed up at a funeral, I don't know what I'd have done. Or called me at a, at a particular time in my life, I don't know if I'd have got through it. I watched this past week. Roger Cress's father passed away, and so they asked me to do the funeral, and I said I'd be honored. And so I get together uh, there, and I sit down with them, and they're telling me all these crazy stories about the, about his dad. So you know, I was having a ball, and I I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to do this funeral. It's I know that's kind of weird for you, but it, I couldn't wait. And boy, we get to talking about Don, and I tell you, I just what I really was impressed by was not the funny stories they had, but I watched this family. This guy who lost his first wife and only son meet this other woman with five kids. In other words, he had very few boards in his life, and then all of a sudden he's got a wife with five kids, and this house that's so quiet, it's now so noisy. And I watched those five kids. And by the way, though Roger, Roger's dad was a stepdad, you'd have never known it. That's what's so interesting about it. And I watched his family just come together like I do so many, so many during tragic times. I've watched many of you go through some tough times and it was a Christian that bailed you out. Thank God you were connected. What would have happened if you hadn't been connected? And then think about this, if you're connected. What's going to happen to the person that's in this room that's not connected when they go through it? Who will connect to them? Because they need that support. Number three, I, 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 I really, I, I, I need to belong to God's family because it helps me grow. Look at this in Ephesians 4. All the parts of the body are joined and held together, with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow to be stronger in love. See, I need more than the Bible to grow. I need other believers in my life. 
I need other people that can talk to me. I've heard people say, I don't need church. All I need is Jesus. First of all, I can't find it in the Bible. I don't know where we got this concept. It must be an American concept. I'm, I'm wondering. Our independent streak in us, if you will. But it's not in the Bible. The opposite is true. The Bible talks about all the parts of the body or all the members of the family or all the pieces of the structure. They all need each other and they help each other. And by connecting, the body grows. By connecting, the the building rises. By connecting, the family grows. And if you think, listen folks, if you think you can do the Christian life by yourself, uh, I'm not going to say good luck to you. I'm going to say it's the most foolish decision you could ever make. Because... This idea of thinking, I can do this, I can handle this, this isolation only breeds deceitfulness. Yes, you may not have anybody in your face, and yes, you might not have anybody challenging you, and you can live at peace with very little drama, but I guarantee you, you will not grow. You, you, all of us here have blind spots. All of us here have weaknesses. And we need that person to point it out. In love, of course in love, to point it out, to help us grow, to challenge us. Look at what it says in Hebrews 3.1. Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. We work together, like Paul says here in Romans 1.12. He explained to the Roman church here. I mean what I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. We help each other grow. I mean, there's so many passages in the Bible that talk about this one another, love one another, serve one another, help one another, encourage one another, build one another up. How do you do that by yourself? Let me give you another question. Who are you doing that with? You see, I need people. I, see, I, I can't do this alone, and I can't... Listen, if the extent of time I spend with believers is one and a half hours listening to me talk, you're in trouble. We need connection. All I know is, I've had Christians around me ever since I come out of that baptistry, and some of them are just... They get on my nerves. Some of them are challenging the fire off and it's chews right off of me and I don't like it sometimes, but I've grown because of them. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And you can't sharpen iron with iron without some friction and some heat every once in a while and some sparks are going to fly. But we need that. I need that. And when I'm a part of God's family, I get that. One of the things about my mom and I, We've always been able to say what we think to one another. Maybe sometimes I should put a filter on my mouth with my mother. Sometimes maybe she should. I don't know. She's my mom. She can do whatever she likes. But I'll tell you what, we're up front. My brother and I. I don't like that. Well, I don't like that either. I don't like you. Well, I don't like you either. You know, we've had dialogue like that when we were kids. And even as adults. Well, I, don't, I got an opinion about gun control. Say it again and I'll punch you in the nose. I'm not saying it. We're frank. And you know, I never go, you hate me. You don't like me. You don't want me to be in a family. Yeah. No, I don't do that. I go, he's my brother. I expect him to be candid and honest and upfront with me. So why should I be surprised when it happens in the family of God? Why are my feelings on my sleeve then? 
Well, the way they talk to me, I don't like the way they talk to me. Well, I don't either. But what are they saying? Because sometimes they're, they're right on the button, aren't they? And we need that. We need that candor. We need a family to help us grow. And the last thing, the reason I belong to God's family is it protects me. God's family actually is a form of protection for me. 1 Peter 5 says, Be careful, watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Remember that video on YouTube of the water buffalo calf? There's a herd of water buffaloes. Uh, it's called the Battle of Kruger. It's on this. It's a savannah, in the Savannah Desert in Africa. And they're, if you remember, they start. Those lions are creeping up on them, and the tourists are videotaping. It's eight minutes long. They're videotaping. All of a sudden, the herd breaks, and one couple with a young one is a little slower than than the rest. And the lions go after the calf, and they all fall into the water. The calf and the two lions, and they're just the one's got him by the throat, and you hear him going, ah, ah. He's fighting back. The poor little thing. Then all of a sudden, a crocodile comes out of the water and grabs a hold of him. You're thinking, come on! Man, this guy don't have a chance! And then after a while, you look off in the corner of the picture and you see, here comes one water buffalo and a whole herd. It's like, I went and got some help. And the the lions are... They got their teeth in, and they're going, like a cat does, you know. And they're holding on, and the water bubble's getting closer, and the lions are like, what are we going to do here? One of them finally bolts and runs, and they run him off, and, and then they come back, and the other one's going, got to hold the throat, let's go. And one of the water buffaloes takes his horn and throws that cat in the sky, and I'm like, that is awesome. And you see the, the calf finally get free and get back in the herd. And all I could think about is, boy, strength in numbers, huh? I love that video. You ever have never seen it, you gotta watch it sometime. See, none of us here, you, me, none of us here are immune from temptation. Given the right conditions, any of us are capable of sinning. Let's be honest. Even the best of us. Given the right conditions. See, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I never thought I'd live to say that. 40 years I've been a Christian. And I've watched Satan pick people off one by one, family by family. And I thought, what does he usually go for? He usually goes for the slowest, the weakest, the oldest. Why the oldest? What do you mean, Tim? Some, some of us old Christians, we think we, we're incapable of falling away. And the Bible says you better watch out, you're about to fall when you think you take a stand like that. And he goes after the youngest ones, too. 1977, June 29th, I was baptized in Williamstown, West Virginia, after a workshop. I remember... Another fellow by the name of Tom Wells, he was baptized the same day as I was in the same baptistry, same night. And he was a part of my church too. 
And we go home as new believers. And within a few weeks, Tom wasn't at church anymore. Where is he? I go, where's Tom? Uh, nobody knows. We don't know where he is. Well, and, and, and by the way, Tom had, a, had heritage in this church. His family had been in this church for generations. I was, there was no, all I knew was Denise and her parents and Shonda. That was it. You know, I knew four or five people and the preacher. And I'm watching this unfold. I'm thinking, could that happen to me? What's the answer, church? Absolutely. Why didn't it? I've thought about that many times. In fact, even uh, today, tonight's lesson, I thought, how come Tom left the Lord? Never saw him again. And I'm still around. I, th I think it's because I'm still around. I'm still around believers. After I come out of the baptistry, I was constantly around Christians. I, would, I, didn't, I didn't have to go to church. I got to go to church. And sometimes I'd stay. And sometimes I'd stay all night at somebody's house. So I'd have to, I'd have to drive a while to get to church. And I remember bugging people to death. Isn't it time to go home, Tim? No, I don't want to go home. Why? Are you afraid to fall away? No, I'm saying I just want to be, I want to belong. I was told that this was God's family. And what I learned was I got lots of strength from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of these old Christians I got with Bob Hawkins this morning. I said old Christians. Now you're going to go, oh, Tim, don't say it. I was with Bob Hawkins at Frank's having an egg sandwich. By the way, the best egg sandwich in town. Make sure it's the croissant. Okay? Swiss cheese, too. But I'm having, I'm having a conversation with him, and I'm sitting across the table from somebody who's been a Christian uh, much longer than me, and I'm watching him just really share experience, his experiences. I get stronger with having contact with men like that. Who are you having contact with? Well, I go to small group. Okay, you can treat small group like an assembly. You know that, don't you? I go to church on Sunday. I go to small group. But do I engage at all the rest of the time? I'm telling you the reason I'm still around is because I, I stayed around Christians, a lot of different Christians. I made sure I, can, I was connected. And I believe it made a big impact on me. See, I've seen the power of, of deep Christian relationships and how it helps people grow and change. And you and I need that all the time. Listen, church, we need to be making sure Greater Altman is a place where people are connecting. You take that responsibility, not just me. That we take this responsibility that we're going to make sure people are getting connected. You say, well, I tried to connect somebody one time. I tried to get them connected. Well, be more stubborn. I want to challenge you to be very, very stubborn. Isn't that a sin? Not, not in that. You, if you're good at being stubborn, here's what you do. You keep bugging them and you keep seeing them and you keep talking to them and keep praying for them because someday they'll text you and they'll say, I want to talk. That happened to me last week. And you watch somebody go, I'm ready to do something. Don't give up. Remember Ecclesiastes 4, 2 are better than 1? Let me read out of the message part of this passage. 
it's not on your screen, but it's in the message translation. It says, by yourself, you are unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Let me say one of the, I, I think about some of the hardest things I've ever had to do. So glad that I had a Christian, Christian men and women at my side to help me during those times. See, God has never intended for you to be alone. He formed you for family. He never meant you to be alone. He thinks it's not good when you are alone. And He solves that problem, solves that challenge with people, with His family. Let me ask you a question. What best describes you this afternoon? An attender? Or a member? If you were honest, what best describes you? An attender or a member? Was there a difference? Big difference. One is simply being in the building. The other one is being involved in his body, in his family. See, the difference between an attender and a member is the commitment they make. I'm asking you this, this afternoon, church, for some of us here, would you please make the commitment to get connected? If you've tried before, would you try again? Get connected. And for those of you who say, well, I've been connected, Tim, and I'm, I'm strong, I've got, I'm in a group, I'm, a, I'm connected. Would you help somebody get connected? Because they belong in God's family, just like you. It says in 1 Peter 2, as we close, it says, love your spiritual family. Love your spiritual family. And I want to ask you, do you love the church? There was a time when I, I was unhappy with a particular church and I spit on its building. And I remember Rex telling me, Tim, do you love the church? Huh? Do you love the church? Of course I love the church. Do you really love the church, Tim? You just spit on the building. Do you really love the church? They treated me awful, Rex. Do you love the church? No, I don't love the church. So you don't love God's bride? You don't love His body? You don't love His family? Of course I do. Of course I do. I'm asking you, ask yourself, do you love this body of believers? Do you love your local church? How do I know if you do? How do you know if you do? Are you connected to it? Or are you just an attender? The difference is commitment, folks. And it makes a big difference when we're connected to one another. You have a card in your bulletin, and I pray that you'll take this afternoon, as tired as we are and as sleepy as we are, we'll take some time and think about the Scriptures that have been shared this morning and the things you've heard. And if you've been challenged in some way, you need some prayer, you use that card maybe to make a decision. I want to be connected. I got to find a way to get connected. Help me get connected. You know, the eldership gets those cards, you know, and we want you to know we look at them, we pray over them, 
and we pray that you'll uh, you'll take advantage of that. There's a prayer ministry of people. They pray over those cards too, asking God to help you with whatever needs you have. Maybe you just need to make a commitment this afternoon. Maybe renew a commitment, an old one you used to have. I just want you to know God loves you so much, He wants you to belong to His family. He wants you to not just be in the house, but be involved, be connected. Are you going through something? Would you, do you need some support? Why not let, let somebody help you? Ask a Christian to help you walk through that. Help you deal with that. We're going to pray and then sing a song as we give you time to fill out those cards. And then we'll sing another song, collect up those cards, and take up our regular Sunday contribution. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this afternoon, Lord. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for wanting a family so bad. Um, Father, you know, some of us here, uh, when we think about family, it's not a very positive thing, very tough to um, you know the kind of family you have, Father, the kind of plans you have in your family and the environment you have in your family is sometimes foreign to some of our childhoods here. And um, I remember as a kid visiting some families going, man, that's a family. And Lord, I pray that we, that we can just clear those out, those memories out, not let them taint our hope and expectation, our desire to be in your family. Help it uncloud our thinking, Father. Help see clearly you want us desperately and that you call us to belong. You're not content, Father, with us just attending and down deep inside we're not either. Would you help us be connected, Father? Help us help, help us here, uh, those of us here that are just parts in a bag, Father, to connect again. And let us welcome others and make sure they're connected to other believers in this church. I ask you to bless the rest of the evening and um, all praise and glory goes to you, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.